Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and joining me and you on this little look at the footballing world, it's reporter for the BBC, Premier League and Prime Video, Lindsay Hooper. And alongside her, we've got Sky Sports News anchor Hayley McQueen. Hello to you both. Hi. Hello. Well, it's chilly where I am, ladies. Mm. Uh, I know it's chilly outside, but we've had no heating for three days. So I'm snuggled up in my little recording room with a fleecy headband and a blanket over my knees. Wow. Who says the OAP days aren't too far away, eh? You'll be up up for a vaccine next, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) I've been walking around in a T-shirt just in case the call comes. Uh, How are you, Lindsay Hooper? Busy day today. Yes, I'm all over the place. As you know, we were meant to actually do this a few hours earlier. I don't so know. I don't know what has happened, but I forgot I had a football match yesterday. <laughs> I forgot when the bins needed to go out. <laughs> I just... You need a blanket over your knees and a vaccine. Oh, it I need to lie down. A bit of... <laughs> yeah, a touch of the OAPs. What about you, Haley McQueen? How are you keeping? Well, as we can all see each other because we sometimes link into sort of a, a, a FaceTime style scenario, you guys have got mugs of tea. I've got a copper cup because I've poured myself oh. some ginger beer. There's a slice of lime in there and <gasps> ching ching, a few cubes Ooh. of ice. You've started on those drinks early. No. Um, let's have a look at our cups just quickly. Lindsay Hooper, you're holding up a cup with shoes on it. Oh. New York Shoe Museum, that's from. Oh, how very interesting. I've got a cup with a nice little birdie on it and hayley has got her tankard of ale. How mm. lovely is this? And producer Abby has a mug, which I noticed the other week had her initials, yes, yes. on the underside. It's a hand-painted, <laughs> definitely the most stylish of all the mugs, that's I for think sure. she probably painted it herself, didn't she? It oh, didn't just come said... like that. Oh, no, it didn't. She didn't paint it herself. It was a wedding present, apparently. Oh. There we go. Um, well, listen, Lindsay, let's just start with you when we talk about the week in football. Last week, I Do asked we have you... To? Well, Do we have to start yes, with me? We, we need to come back to this point. Um, last week, I asked you if it was crisis time at Wolves, mm. and you said no. No. Are we still no. sure about that? No win in five no. Premier League games? The only positive I can spin on this is that I listened to another podcast which just focuses purely on Wolves. It gives the view, the Molyneux view, um, which is also part of The Athletic. Mm. And it's got Jackie Oatley and Tim Spears on. And they had Steve Bull on that podcast (gasps) and he made me feel better. Yes, you need a bit of bully at times like this, Mm. don't you? I feel he's the perfect person to speak to. Um, So without going on about it for too long, if Wolves Mm. could sign just one player, who would you have? A striker, centre-back, midfielder, who would you go for? I think it's a striker. I don't really get the whole recalling Patrick Catrone. Um, Fabio Silva, although he got a goal, which was the only positive to take from that Black Country derby, he he's still a way off. You know, it's great experience for him, but this is also a Premier League campaign. So I I think striker Kate, I think it has to be someone that can knock in some goals. I mean, Diego Costa was there. There's links via the agent, you know, get him in on loan until the end of the season. If that's all you want to do, you don't have to do anything more, but just get someone who can bang them in. Yes. We need to get that done. You need to get that done quickly. Uh, We do. Yes, Kate. Yes. An honorary now Wolves supporter. Talking about things that, uh, that, that need to be quick 
Uh, the pace at the uh, Man United Liverpool game probably should have mm. been quicker. Have you <laughs> have you woken up, Haley, after that one? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the build up, half time, and post match analysis was probably a bit more exciting than the mm. game. I, I know it was like wasn't like the, the most dull game of anything, but I think Ole was was too was was too happy with himself at the end. I thought, yeah, but you know, coming away from Anfield with a point, I think is. I take that. If you said to me before, you know, months before. But that's before, not the attitude of a no, table-topping team, no, is it? No, it's not. It's not. But we're not used to being a table-topping team. Wow. So I need to kind of get back into that mentality. Yeah. The amazing thing is um, it was for a nil-nil draw. Um, it was the most watched Premier League game on TV yes. ever, wasn't it? Very good yes. figures. For Sky Sports. Well, talking of Manchester United, very briefly, mm. Wayne Rooney, now permanently, mm. officially manager at Derby County. I don't think it was a massive surprise for me because he went as player coach, so I always thought he would do it. But what about you, Hayley? You 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 know him much better than than I do. How will his team talks be going down at at half time? Is he the sort of ideal candidate for for management? Well, I wouldn't have had him down as the sort of type that would step into management from what I knew of him. But this was a very long time ago when I worked for MUTV. But obviously I was there for four years. So got to interview him sort of over the years and see him grow and develop and change. A little bit like when Ronaldo was there and he was like a completely different beast when he left the club from from when I was there um, as a youngster. But Wayne Rooney, I mean, look, he was always so terribly polite really well-mannered. He was always a nice interview because he he enjoyed actually speaking to a club channel. I don't think it made him feel nervous because it wasn't Sky Sports mm. or the Beeb or ITV or whoever it would have been. Was he a bit quiet and mumbly? Because he does, does have that um, way very, about um, him. Um, but I did always find him someone just... I quite enjoyed interviewing him. We'd sometimes do kind of lifestyle features as well. And he, he would come out of himself a little bit. You know, what's your favourite film? What what would you do if you weren't a footballer? And I used to quite enjoy doing those ones with him every now and again. Um, but at the time, I wouldn't have had him down as a manager. Yes, he's got the footballing skills, but that sometimes doesn't translate when you need someone that has to have the charisma and the personality. I'm not saying he doesn't have a personality. He's actually I've been on evenings out and dinners and things where he's been a lot of fun as well mm. but just in terms of a footballing way and, and ha- you've probably interviewed him as well I guess as Lindsay I I yeah. just never had him down as somebody who would go into management the type to kind of give that rousing team talk and yeah. really yeah. gee everyone up I always enjoyed like you interviewing him and I think one of the the big observations that was made in a lot of the the viewing that I've done this week they've talked about this appointment is that he is someone that commands the respect of a dressing room and I yes. don't think I would deny that I mean just to Towards the end of his career, which I, you would have done a lot with him, I think, Hayley, very early on. And I did a lot with him towards the end of his Premier League career. I did a lot with perhaps the last five years. And I can imagine that being the case. He was someone that that players were looking over, looking at what he was thinking, where he was. Just e- even before getting on the pitch, coming down the tunnel, they were looking at where Wayne Rooney was. So mm. there was obviously a lot of respect but I don't know how long or how far that can go in management. You know, you yes. can get the command of the dressing room for a while in that respect, but you need a lot more to go with it. And I, I just simply don't know how much of that he has. No. And I, I thought as well as a, as a father of someone whose wife is quite busy as well in, in her life and who has four young children, um, that having to be studious and put 
all that time into management, even more so when you're first starting out, I just didn't see him as somebody who would be willing Wanting to, to give up that amount that of time yeah. because he's played internationally. He's played, you know, he's, he's he made the move abroad. He's just been so busy for so many years. I thought he might just want to enjoy a little bit of retirement, potentially coaching. I think coaching would definitely suit him, especially with some of the younger players looking up to him, wanting to get physical with him on the training pitch. But we'll see and look, mm. good luck to him. Good luck to him. All right. Well, as for the show this week, it's America week, ladies. Da -da. Uh, yeah, we are going to be waving our stars and stripes and bringing a football theme to it all. Uh, and this is, of course, to do with the inauguration of Joe Biden. America will have a new president by the time this comes out. And the fact that dear Donald decided to give it a miss. Uh, he didn't necessarily hide away, but he definitely shirked away from being at the inauguration. First ever president to do that, I think, by the way. So Stars and Stripes theme, uh, we're going to be speaking about hiding moments in football. Uh, we'll be discussing the best Premier League exports to America. But first up, it's all about the red and white stripes. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Well, as we start our America theme, we've got the red and white stripes flying high here at the Offside Rule, but it's the red stripes we'll be focusing on for topic one. Why red? Well, that's the colour that Lionel Messi finally saw mm. as his Barcelona lost to Athletic Bilbao in the Spanish Super Cup. First domestic red card for Lionel Messi. Is that then going to open up the floodgates? Could there be mm. more on the way? Who knows? Um, I'd like to focus on, though, who are the bad boys of football and who are the surprise goodies? Lionel was a goodie, although he's, he did pick up a couple of reds for Argentina, didn't he? But really a goodie. Now he could be a baddie. But let's talk about both sets. Hayley. Well, I'm just going to tell you about some of the teams. Do you want to know who's the top of the fair play league right now? Do you Go know on. who it is? And it's kind of weird, not for the team at the top, but very strange how this mirrors the actual Premier League table. So we have in the top four, Liverpool and Manchester City. Liverpool are actually top of the fair play league. We know they're still in the top four as it stands right now. Manchester City, who are third, they're also third in the league as it stands. The worst team, well, that would be Fulham. They're rock bottom. Um, they have picked up 35 yellow cards, three red cards. It's an absolute disgrace. They're a terribly dirty team. And they are, of course, in the bottom three as well. And the relegation places also right down where with them is Sheffield United. And they, too, have a terrible disciplinary record, not too far off Fulham. So when you're looking at the discipline of teams, it is quite mm. interesting as to see who's where. The only teams that really buck that trend, Manchester United are down in lowly 13th. So United are one of the only teams in the bottom half of the fair, fair Play League that are in the top half of the Premier League. Oh. Anyway, just putting that out there. There we there. go. Lindsay, throw us a few of yours. 
You've got to look for your sandwich filling between your Gary Linekers, who never got a yellow card at all, to your Sergio Ramos, that's had 23 career red cards. He's been cautioned the most as well in the history of the, the Champions League, most sendings off in La Liga. So I'm looking for the sandwich filling between those two, because those are your benchmarks, I think. Mm. And if we start with good... Then Gary Lineker, the thing to remember about him in this 16-year-long career not getting a yellow is that he was a striker. And there are a couple of other examples of strikers that managed to avoid cautions. But I think it's even more impressive if you're a defender and you manage to do that. Now, Philip Lahm uh, was part of the treble-winning Bayern Munich side, never shown a red card. I think that's incredible. So Mm. I'm putting him right up there on my good list in this sandwich filling that I'm trying to to fill. And within there as well, a guy that I've already mentioned about being linked hopefully with Wolves at some point, because I think this is the epitome of a player that can just be on the fringes all the time. It's Diego Costa. And you'd think that he'd got an awful red card record. He has had five red cards in his career, but I think many people, if you spoke to them, would think he'd got more than that. But of course, he's the king of just being on the edge. So he'll get the yellows, he'll get yellow after yellow, but he won't get sent off. Do you know how many yellows he's managed to require in his career? 118 yellow cards. This is a man who's the master of getting a yellow, but trying to avoid getting the red. Yes. Okay, so Costa, the collector of yellows, and Lam, the lamb. Uh, I'm going to give you a few stats from last season, actually, a little bit along the same theme as you before. I've got a few good, bad examples. But if we're to look at last season, one team and their players in particular were the ones who were credited with the most fouls and also had collected the most yellow cards. So Crystal Palace is the team. Jordan Ayew is the player last season who had the most fouls, 59 fouls and just over 3,000 minutes of play. And Luka Milivojevic, also Palace, of course, uh, credited with the most yellow cards last season, 12 in over two and a half thousand minutes, 50 fouls for him. That probably makes him about the dirtiest club captain last season, too, or near I enough. I don't think he's doing that great this season mm. either, I don't think. What about the last five years? Well, here's one for Hayley, former Scotland international James MacArthur. Uh, he's hacked his way to the top of a Premier League naughty list. So over the last five years, he's been named English the English top flight's biggest fowler, uh, an astonishing 259 fouls in the last five seasons, 12 more than Southampton's Oriol Romeo, who is the second worst offender. So there we go. A bit of a view on where we've been over the last five years and last season. Hayley, throw me some more. Okay, I'm just going to throw in Alfredo Morelos up in Scotland because it was a season where he was banging in the goals for Rangers. He was an absolute hero on the pitch, but got sent off five times in one season. That was the 18-19 season. I remember working up there in Scotland on the football, just thinking, God, it was like being on Morelos' watch and all the big games that you were hoping he wasn't going to get sent off in or that he wasn't going to cause trouble in. He just did. It was like it was just expected. And it became a bit of a, a, well, he was a real problem. And there were big talks, weren't there, about him leaving Rangers, going elsewhere. They were going to kind of leave leave there. They were going to lose um, one of their key players, their talisman, the man who was going to hopefully try and win them their first title in a very long time because it was just dominated by Celtic. However... I think one of the reasons that he didn't sign for another club and didn't leave was because of his disciplinary record and because he missed so many matches as well. Um, 
particularly it was the month of January, I think, when he, they'd come back from uh, winter break and he got sent off that month and he was missing for a few games and there was talk about him leaving in that transfer window. And again, that didn't happen. He just became a bit of a problem, but his problem sort of benefited Rangers and he ended up staying in the end, almost paying them back for all the trouble that he mm. caused. So that's just a little one to throw in from me. If you really want to look for a proper gentleman of the game, I think you have to look no further than Sir Stanley Matthews, one of the absolute greats of English football. He never received a single card either. He's right up there when you kind of Google players with disciplinary records. You've got Gary Lineker up there, but um, he played over 700 games for club and country without ever getting booked. So as far as a proper gentleman is concerned, I think he is the number one. He's up there. Uh, Bringing it back to current day, one of the best in the Premier League right now is John Stones. Um, I suppose you have to take into consideration the amount of matches that he also missed in this. Yeah, Yeah. but he's only committed 17 fouls in the Premier League since 2016-17. So he's right up there. And in terms of as we record this, I just had a quick look at the Premier League um, and who has had what cards. So there are quite a lot of players that have had one red card, but no one's had more than one. And if you look at the yellows, Hector Bayerin, Connor Gallagher from West Brom, Isaac Hayden from Newcastle, they've all got six yellow cards. Hmm, okay. Mourinho, he thinks he's a bad boy or certainly says that officials treat him like one. I'm, rem- I'm reminded of his post-match after playing Liverpool in December. Liverpool went 2-1 up, didn't they, in the final few minutes and he wasn't happy. He said that he told Klopp uh, the best team lost and Klopp disagreed, but that's his opinion, says Mourinho. By the way, he then added, if I behave the same way on the touchline like he does, referencing Klopp, I have no chance but to stay there and I'm out in a minute. In other words, it's not fair. Uh, Mourinho wasn't going to stop at Klopp. Well, no. He then took a shot at Pep Guardiola as well. He'd lost his head a few days earlier when City dropped points to West Brom. And if you remember, Pep Guardiola sort of went to grab the fourth official's board because he was so upset um, about the time added on. And Mourinho said... That's animated? Or do you want me to take the table with the time the fourth official's hands are on to see what happens to me, he said. For some reason, I am different and that is sad. There we go. Poor old Mourinho thinks he's a bad boy or says officials think he is anyway. So there we go. To quote Alexandra Burke, the bad boys are always catching my eye. They're not really. Uh, But hopefully we can all learn to be more Sir Stan. Up next, hands on heart for the anthem. Here we go. Topic two, American History Explained. like that one, producer Abby. Thank you for the film title. Uh, So topic two, all about homeschool football. We've been doing this every week. Today, uh, this is all about, as ever, a little five minutes or so out of your day just to help you take a breather away from the stress of home education. I feel you. All right, ladies, it's time to spin the homeschool wheel and see where it stops. The sound of the American National Anthem. Not a surprise to hear that in this America-themed show. So we're going to stick with that. And we're looking for the best Premier League exports to the American Football League, otherwise known as American Soccer League. 
The MLS. Otherwise known as the MLS. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Um, And Hayley, why was this prompted, especially this week? What's the connection with this week's Newsline? Well, I think we all now know, don't we, that Philip Neville is going to Miami. I'm in Miami. I'm sure we can insert some music there, a bit of Will Smith as well. He's going out there. I don't think it's going to be a beach holiday for him, that's for sure. But his his old mates, his old childhood bestie, has given him the job of managing Inter Miami. Definitely not just job for a best friend. I think he was always going to go on and manage another club. And actually, it probably suits him quite nicely. He can take his kids out there. I'm sure his missus will love it. I absolutely love Miami. I've been far too many times to mention simply because the best friend went out there to work for a TV station. So I had many trips there. Um, Love watching live sport there. It's brilliant. There's also a a Miami FC. So they already have a team there. And I'm going to talk a little bit about them later as well, because they've actually got an English link. But into Miami, I think, I mean, it's just such a cool opportunity. And I don't know if any of you were listening to the Monday Night Football when Gary Neville was chatting about his brother getting the job. And, you know, that's one of the reasons Gary said he never quite made it as football, um, as, as a manager from footballer compared to his brother because he said he literally lives, breathes, eats. He said he's a natural leader. He said, you know, this is the right time for him to join. It's definitely not just Beckham giving him a job. But you don't mate. say no to it, do you? You uh, don't say no, no to Miami and Bex. And I actually think the Americans will lap up his, his interesting post-match comments, won't they? Like, without being facetious. But I am being facetious. Uh, I think that they'll like his style is what I'm going to say, off the pitch and on the pitch. All right, so ladies, uh, we are talking US-Anglo relations. Uh, which players have left the Premier League and gone to the MLS and had huge success? I'd like the flag bearers, please. Hayley. Right, OK, well, I did mention Miami and that is where I'm going to start. And this wasn't like a massive name in terms of playing in the Premier League, but a massive name in terms of what he could have been doing in England because it is... Paul Dalgleish. He has the wonderful surname, son of King Kenny, of course, who had played for Newcastle United, Norwich, then kind of went down a little to Blackpool, Scunthorpe, had loan spells at Wigan um, and ended up ended his playing career actually playing for Kilmarnock um, for a short spell. But he took the plunge, moved out to the States 11 years ago, and he's been working consistently since then. He's really forged a name for himself and kind of opened up their eyes to bringing other coaches over from England. I think he definitely paved the way for that. He started at Houston Dynamo. He was the assistant there. He's also managed Tampa Bay. There was Austin Aztec. Then he had a short stint at Rail Salt Lake as an assistant whilst he was waiting for his next big job. He went back to Austin Aztec um, and he's been at Miami FC since 2018. Um, He's won the MLS Cup twice. That was in his first spell as a manager at Houston Dynamo. He also won the championship with Austin Aztec in his first spell there. The Southern Conference and the Mid-South Division. There are all kinds of tournaments all over America and they travel all over the place and it's all a little bit confusing, but that's what he's won. So interesting that we've got a Dalgleish versus Neville situation going on there in Miami, isn't it? An extra bit of spice. Lindsay? 
The ultimate flag bearer has to be Bradley Wright Phillips for what he's achieved out there. I think he's the number one, but I wanted to pick out some other ones that people might have forgotten about. So um, I sometimes go on Sirius in the States and I go on a show called Grumpy Pundits and one of the presenters on there is Rodney Marsh. Do you remember Rodney? I do. He I was a striker. Worked with him at Talksport. Yep, striker for for QPR, Man City. He went to Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, scored over fifty times for them and over one hundred appearances. So people might forget Rodney Marsh, but he's over there and now he's doing radio. Um, and Juan Pablo Angel, who mm. played for Aston Villa, and. In particular, I'm focusing on his move to New York Red Bulls because he scored 58 league goals for them and it made him the club's all-time leading goal scorer. So Juan Pablo Angel. Yes, I've also got him actually. It was interesting, he wasn't able to recapture that form um, with LA Galaxy when he left New York. Um, he then went on to play for Chivas and he had had a, a you know really lengthy, very, very respectable career over there. Um, Robbie Keane, let's not forget about Robbie Keane, Lens. This is a good one for you as well. Um, spent uh, quite a deal of time, about five years at LA Galaxy and, and sort of again, we've all kind of forgotten about that a bit, but 83 goals and 125 appearances. That goes down as a rip-roaring success. Uh, he left Spurs to join LA Galaxy. He'd had loan spells at Celtic and at West Ham as well. And look, let's not overlook Wayne Rooney as well, going to DC United, 23 goals in 48 appearances. And you've just mentioned a couple of strikers there that managed to return to the Premier League after Jermaine Mm. Defoe being another one. Yes, Mm. But there aren't many, are there, that have gone out there like Robbie Keane did, come back, played and did so well again back in the Premier League. And you forget that Steven Gerrard went over to Galaxy as well, don't you? Um, and you've mentioned Jermaine Defoe at Toronto, Nigel Riacocca, Chris Boyd at Portland, Robbie Earnshaw, who played for three separate clubs over there. So Ibr- you know, Ibr- Look at Ibrahimovic right now yeah. as well. Look, come on, he came back and he's playing for Milan and... I can't believe how well he's still doing. He's like Benjamin Button, isn't he? God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this so. is a I think this is a perfect opportunity as well to mention a couple of female exports because let's face it, soccer in the States is more about the women than it is the men. Uh, Jess Fishlock at Rain FC. I've chosen her really out of, of nearly all of the ones that I've gone through because there's Kelly Smith and different people, Alex Scott that went out to the States. But Jess Fishlock, she she joined Rain FC in 2013, twice named in the National Women's Soccer League Team of the Year and helped Rain to two championship finals. And the other one worth a mention, I think, is Jodie Taylor because she's been out in the States for some time. Washington spirit Portland Thorns and certainly somebody that they love watching over there so a couple of really good female exports too yeah I must chip in with Kim Little because she's so respected by the players over in the US as well I've heard Megan Rapino talk about her in glowing terms and these are you know very astute members of the game Hope Hope Solo too she doesn't hand out favourable lines about people unless she really means it does she quite often they're negative Um, but Kim played for Seattle Reign for a couple of years um obviously she went to um australia uh, as well during that period for a bit but some of the plaudits she gathered for her technical play and for the fact that she was named mvp in her first season with seattle rain and that gives you an indication despite all the competition and all the u.s internationals over there just how well respected she was and how well she did at seattle rain so yeah kim little from me 
Now, you may remember on a previous show many, many years ago, I mentioned something that happened to me at Sky Sports, which is probably a good thing that we're not doing geography in America right now or or, or history or even landmark buildings. Because do you remember when I told you when before I presented Sky Sports, we used to have these screens where as a reporter or a production assistant, you'd be waiting for pictures to come in. So if you were sort of doing a report on something or somebody else was, you'd wait for the pictures to come in. You'd, you'd put it onto a tape. Kids, this is like a little black square thing that used to collect the footage on and you'd put it in a machine. So back in the um, mid 2000s, a million years ago, when I was a production junior at Sky, I had to go and find shots of Bruce Arena because there was an American football story. And I spent a whole hour in this section of... Um, sky called lines where everything came down different lines just waiting for shots of this like arena I was waiting for these stadium shots and then as I headed back into the newsroom too embarrassed to say like am I am I looking at the right thing am I like what's happening here and I noticed a story going out being read by David Bobin who used to who I then went on oh, to present with yeah. and Stop it. yeah um and he was reading a story about American football and Bruce Arena who I then realized was a <laughs> was manager awesome. and I had been waiting somebody else had come in got the shots of him put it onto a tape and lined it up for the story and it had it had already been edited and gone out to air by the time I left to try and find out how I found how I was going to, you know, come up with these alter. I was thinking maybe we just have to go into sort of Getty Images and get stills of the stadium because I just can't find it. The Bruce <laughs> Arena. What that an idiot. Fabulous, fabulous. What an idiot. Indeed. Good. Let's head on to topic three. Time for you to redeem yourself, Hayley McQueen. Uh, to end our American theme on this show, we're talking about hiding. That's because it's frankly what President Trump could be doing in the White Well, ex-President Trump maybe by this stage, could be doing in the White House if Joe Biden's lot date managed to get him out in time. Last seen under the Resolute desk, still trying to write his letter to Joe. Uh, I hope he's left, uh, but he could be hiding, couldn't he? He's not the only one wanting to hide away from results, is he, Lindsay? No. And I think I'm going to bring personal experience into this first. Okay. Uh, transfer deadline day. We've done many over the years, as you know. But the once, um, it was a real hidden player in the back of a car because it was the big news that Virgil van Dijk was leaving Southampton to head to Liverpool. And I was the reporter at Southampton at their training ground trying to get those shots of when the car comes out of the training ground, you just want to see Virgil van Dijk in the back on his way to Liverpool. That's all you want, about 10, 15 seconds. But wow, I was really ran around on all sorts of different silly trips um, around the training ground to try and track down this car. And there were decoys and everything. Really? Uh, there was a decoy car sent out pretending to be Virgil. Looked, <laughs> I'm trying to get in the back to have a look. Um, no, no player there. It's just a driver. But they blacked out the windows, tried to make out it was him. But that didn't fool me. I knew he was still mm -hmm. there. Then they opened a different exit and tried to get him out of that one. Then closed it again because when they opened it, they saw that the cameras were there. It was really hilarious for about half an hour. And in the end, Virgil van Dijk um, put a big cover over his head 
and ducked down in the back and was driven out of the the training ground. We didn't get the shot because he was hiding in the Mm. back of the car. But it was still obviously him though, right? Well, we knew he'd gone by the end. I I say I wish we knew straight away, but I think I still hung around for about an hour thinking that he might still be there. Yeah, but no, he'd gone and he'd fooled us and managed to hide under a blanket. Um, We've, of course, got the secret footballer. Um, who was meant to be Dave Kitson? I don't know. Did we ever find out who the secret, who the mm. hidden footballer was? Steve Sidwell. Was it Steve? Mm. It is mm. Dave yeah, Kitson, Dave isn't Kitson. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, although, apart from the books, that column's no longer going, is it, in the, in the Guardian? No, because um, it wouldn't be the secret footballer anymore. Well, no, it's the, un- the unsecret. <laughs> I mean, be three of us know. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and now everyone knows. Um, what about the Turkish team who played in white when it was snowing and no one could see them? Fans in Turkey were left utterly baffled after Sivaspor wore their white away kit to play Istanbul Basak Tahir in the snow. Uh, they just didn't think about it, I guess. So after the heavy downpour, the pitch in Istanbul was white. The players went on and you literally, if you look at pictures, you cannot identify them. It's utterly hilarious. Love that one. <laughs> Uh, who's next Hayley we chatted the other week didn't we actually about um, kits and being unlucky I think we talked about the Manchester United grey kit the grey yeah Yeah, and Nottingham Forest actually caused a bit of a problem at Stoke because um, it was very foggy Forest's kit was completely grey and they looked like they were in hiding as well I think one of the most famous stories um, about hiding and it has to be told is Mourinho at Chelsea um, on the eve of the Champions League quarterfinal. It was in 2005. They were taking on Bayern Munich. It was a massive, massive game. He was given a touchline ban and he wasn't able to obviously go into the dressing room and communicate with his players before the game, but he was so desperate to. And there were whispers that he had snuck in in a laundry basket, but we just (laughs) thought it was a bit of a Chinese whisper. It didn't really happen. But years later, he did admit when he was a pundit at BNTV, maybe thought, oh, I'm out here in Doha. I can tell the story and I'll, I'll, I'll be safe and it don't need to worry. But of course, every newspaper got hold of it. Luckily, it was so many years after the incident mm. that he didn't get in trouble. But um, he'd entered the ground at midday. He said, you know, nobody saw me entering the ground. That wasn't the problem. He said it was the problem when we wanted to try and leave after. He said, Stuart Bannister, the kit man, put me in the basket. It was a little bit open so I could breathe. And of course, this created a lot of memes as well, didn't it? And he, he continues saying, you know, when he's taking it outside the dressing room, the wafer guys were following and desperate to find me because obviously they'd got wind that he that was, was there. in there. So he closed the box and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> he said, it took ages. When he opened the box, I was dying. He went, I am serious. I was claustrophobic. I promise. It's absolutely true. <laughs> oh, goodness It is me. a great story, isn't it? It really, really is. The lengths you go to. Yeah. You know, the word hidden is used in the spy song that Leeds fans sing to Derby. Do you remember this championship oh. playoffs 2019? Basically, Leeds sent a couple of spies over to Derby and it was all revealed and Frank Lampard had, as you'd expect, kind of a little bit of a meltdown about it. And actually Bielsa paid the £200,000 fine, I think he got for it. But then he sort of openly admitted that he often sent people to spy on games. I think it's more common abroad, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Um, But in tribute to this, the Leeds fans, um, as they are, decided to invent a, a new song, uh, to sing 
uh, to Derby fans and it's to the Oasis song Stop Stop Crying Your Eyes Out uh, and it's basically Stop Crying Frank Lampard and it's all of the spies are hidden away just try not to worry you'll beat us someday <laughs> da, 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 da. there you go wow. who'd have thought I'd be singing a lead song after what happened about a month ago there you go uh, that's just to show that I'm fair and impartial um, so there you go the word hidden featuring in a Leeds mm. Terrace song. Anyone else for anything else? Well, seeing as how we have been reminiscing a little bit, I will go back to my MUTV days when I used to interview kind of Sir Alex and we discussed Wayne Rooney and things on a regular basis. And we're very lucky as a club channel because you'd, you'd get given a player every week on a Friday to preview the weekend's games. And quite often you'd get one on a Monday to react to the game and then build up to something midweek. And we take it in turns as journalists and, and presenters at the channel to go in and interview. So I was up for interviewing Paul Scholes. I only ever interviewed him once in four years because he always hid from me. He never turned <laughs> up to an interview. It was like, I think twice they'd actually lost on a weekend and they were building up to like a Champions League game in the week, which was almost unheard of. And we'd, we'd go and we'd be told it would be happening before training. So you'd get there like ridiculously early, still never as early as Sir Alex, mind you. And you'd wait, you'd sit in the reception and they'd be like, oh, they've gone out training. You've missed your chance. He had his breakfast. It went over. So then you just stay there all morning, just twiddling your thumbs. Um, there was no Instagram or anything like that back then. I don't think it was even Twitter. Uh, so God knows Did you have snake doing. on your phone? You must have had having to. Yeah, had snake on my Nokia um, 2810 and a newspaper, a good old fashioned handheld well, also- Newspaper. Just time to time to be, time yeah. to be zen. That's it. Mm. Was it a sixty-two ten? I can't remember. Anyway, Nokia just, sixty-two just ten, zenning Nokia out. Five ten. Anyway, well, whatever. I've still got one in the drawer. Then you would wait, and after training, you would be okay. Right. Well, I've had even more time to think about what I'm going to ask the player now. So you'd be like completely knowing you've nailed your interview, and yeah. The three times that that happened, Paul Scholes just never turned. I was like, well, he's never going to get a job in media because he doesn't even want to speak to the media. doesn't even want to speak to his own club channel. So when that happened, my God. Yeah, there Mm. you go. Never good to be coy, is it? Naughty Paul. We won't, we won't, we won't. Um, All right, well, if we've learned anything, it's it's that I'll do anything for this show, even sing a lead song after all that. Thank you for your examples of hiding, ladies. That's almost it for today. But before we end, it's Any Other Business next. Okay, well, as I've done a bit of singing today, uh, I could attempt the Any Other Business theme tune, which I still haven't got. Just a fresh plea to any new listeners. I'm looking for a theme tune for Any Other Business. Uh, Do as you are want to with that. I want someone to do us like a Dick Van Dyke one. Like Mary Poppins. Any Any other business? Any other business? Yeah. Any other business? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I'd like something a little bit more sophisticated. So here we are. Any other business? The small and wonderful stories from the week that you might have missed. Lindsay, I'm going to head to you first. I know this is audio. I know right now you're probably doing something else. You might be decorating. You might be putting some stuff in the oven. But just stop for a minute and wherever you can, get something where you can get a visual and look at the latest pictures of Fernando Torres. Have you seen (laughs) how much he's bulked up? He's like the Hulk. And he also looks like he's working in Selco or something. Wow. Oh, wow. Goodness me. Oh, my me. goodness. Yes. 
He could come so over here and play rugby league. Incredible <laughs> body transformation. Why Break has he done neck. this then, Linz? The I don't know, he always used to look like a prince, what? I thought. And now, yeah. now he looks really bulky. So if you haven't seen these latest Whoa. pictures and you remember Fernando Torres of Liverpool days or even, might we just quickly whisper them, Chelsea, <laughs> um, he doesn't look anything like it anymore. He's gone very big. Very big on the on the biceps in I'm particular. I'm not sure I like it. He obviously retired, didn't he, 18 months ago. But um, he played I'm it in Japan. Sure. Surely you only eat like sushi and stuff there. <laughs> and it's it's all very healthy. So he's not going to be, I don't know, has he been drinking too many protein shakes? So yes. he's the brand ambassador wow. for a company in Southeast Asia. But yeah, you're wow. right. That That is, uh, yeah. More kind of Hulk than Torres, but there we go. Um, all right, thank you very much. Um, I'll throw in the one million, over one million Fenerbahce fans who on Sunday decided to follow Mesut Ozil's flight from London to Istanbul. <laughs> at peak, over 300,000 people were watching, following the flight at the same time. What about watching well, that's, paint dry, but that's surely a figure that is higher because of lockdown. Surely, in when normal life is on, three hundred thousand people are not watching a well, flight I don't know tracking how device. Normal life is in Turkey at the moment. Maybe they're having a lot more of a normal time than us. Haley. Okay, well, I don't know if you guys saw this story. This first thing I'm going to tell you is not football related, but did you hear about the guy who lost his hard drive? He threw it away by mistake and believes <laughs> yes, he's I got did. something like £230 million yes. in it. And he wants, is it Newport County Council to come and... It's, it? it's in Wales somewhere. It's and in he's, Wales. He's basically offered them a massive bung of cash £55 to million to find it. But they said it's 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 against... What they do, they will not allow him to or anybody to come and dig up the site. But he's like, there's 230 million pounds in there, mate. He thinks there so is. He thinks there is. Mm. Yeah, I don't understand. Track. What do you mean? It's it's it's, it's buried Bitcoin. within. It's, yeah, Does anyone it's want to explain Bitcoin, now, Bitcoin to Lindsay I, Hooper? Oh, so I know we, what that is. Okay. I, so is, I've, is had it, I've had enough spam emails. Virtual, yes. Virtual money. And it's all mm. on his hard drive. But where was this of... hard drive? Underneath the Newport Council's building or something? No, he threw it away and then they took it to the to the dump. Oh, the dump. Dumped. Yes. It's gone okay. to the tip. Okay. Yep. And he wants to go and search through all of that. And this was this was years ago. Anyway, this just led me to another story. And um it's a former Real Madrid B and Levante striker, David Burrell who became massive headlines this week, not because he's a big name, but because he's actually been the first player to be purchased using cryptocurrency. Hmm. He signed for um, Segunda B-side, um, Internacional de Madrid <laughs> this week. Not like a massive side, but it's been funded entirely through the use of Bitcoin. I'm having flash forwards. I'm having flash it's forwards. Please sci-fi. tell me, how many transfer <laughs> windows are we away from me being stood outside a ground saying such Bitcoin. and such has gone to such and such for however many Bitcoin? Yes. yes. Oh, no. Okay. I'm going to end this on um, a good old FA Trophy. Not the FA Cup, but the, but the FA Trophy. So in the spirit um, of this, I'm going to end it on a good old good old tussle in the FA Trophy. Uh, now this uh, was Leamington, who were through to the last 16 of the competition after beating Kettering. But what about this for a game? Uh, this took place on Tuesday night, I think it was. So basically, El Drama. So Leamington scored in the first minute uh, and then went on to score two more. So fast-paced goals. They were 3-0 up at half by... 
they were 3-0 up in the first half an hour, by which time Kettering were already down to 10 men. So in that time, Kettering had had a player sent off. And that was after two quick-fire bookings for a player called Michael McGrath, who had an ugly confrontation with the referee. So already the first half an hour was kicking off some. But then the evening descended into chaos, says the news report, when the floodlights at the community stadium failed at half time and the two teams were left waiting until power was restored. What time do you think the second half eventually kicked off? Was it was the same night, right? No? It was the same night, but it's pretty okay. late. 10.30 that night, the Gosh. second half finally. Gosh. Can you imagine how cold it was as well? The second half finally resumed and... Um, uh, basically no further goals, um, but Kettering's indiscipline resulted in another two players being sent off for <gasps> two bookable offences. So needless to say, tempers were fraying, lights were going out and the goals were going into the back of the net. Um, OK, we're going to round up the show. Thank you very much, ladies. So you can find more from us at Offside Rule Pod and over at the website, offsiderulepodcast.com. There's a great player feature, by the way. Every week, uh, one of our brilliant writers looks and analyses a player in some details. You can check that out. Lindsay, it's FA Cup week, but I don't think you're going to be indulging, are you? I'm going to be part of the show, but I'll be one of those matches that's not an FA Cup match. A little bit gutted, actually, because I love the FA Cup. But yeah. I've not been to Leighton Orient, well, forever. I think I've been once before, very early on in my career. So Leighton Orient against Forest Green Rovers. Dale Vince, who's been, if you follow him, by the way, on social media, he's he's taken someone to an advertising tribunal to do with the... Uh, vegan advertising and set, oh, well, really? meat advertising wow. yeah so um he's he's very high isn't he on on eating well and being healthy and we'll see if it's a healthy performance mm, i see well thank you very much for that hayley what about you um i just have a few evening shifts on sky sports news but there are a lot like you kate struggling to homeschool and work and be around for children whilst trying to help them with their education so a few of us are doing I don't mind doing the late shifts. I always do a couple, but doing more than I normally would just to sort of help out as well. But yeah, it's always a bit weird on Sky Sports when it's FA Cup weekend because um, we talk about the games, but not having the rights to, to, to show matches and things kind of always a little bit different. I quite like to take those weekends off and just enjoy the FA Cup. Yeah. I can enjoy it from work instead. Anyway. Well, look, we have another rematch on our hands. Uh, the late, uh, one of the late kickoffs on Sunday, five o'clock, Manchester United versus Liverpool, round two. Let's hope it's not so much of a snooze fest, shall we? They're not going to get the viewing figures like Sky Sports because people will be thinking it's just going to be the same of what mm. we've seen and we don't want to waste another day like that again. Maybe no, both no, no. teams will be a bit more cavalier. Because it's the FA Cup. Yeah, they'll have uh, to be. They'll knock have out to be. And all the rest of it. All right, well, that's something to look forward to, possibly. Uh, until next time, ladies and listeners, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic.